0: <laughs> all right, we've recorded. Let's see how we're doing for levels and stuff. There. Oh God, sorry. about... That. <coughs> no, That's f- how you start a podcast. Foot, the <laughs> foot, the throat. It's all yeah. It's all kind of shit. It's All kind <laughs> of shit.
1: Limbs falling <laughs> off, throats coming out. Oh <laughs> mate.
0: Oh, I feel for you. Um, and it's fucking cold. Jesus Christ! This is Christ. This bit of you, is it? no, nah, this is. From
1: it was um, we had like the hottest summer in Australian record, literally.
0: Yeah, I know. My mate lives over there, and he was like, it was fifty-seven yeah. degrees or something. It was,
1: it was like it, shit was hitting the fifties. Yeah, <laughs> we, I think it was like a fifty-degree temperature drop between like coming from there to here. I think you 50-degree temperature difference.
0: That's that shit. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> anyway, yeah. well, I'm going to... Th- might yeah. as well keep that in. That's all, all right, right. cool. So there you go. <laughs> uh, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill. Uh, this is a very, very special podcast. Um, my good friend, uh, Renfrey Dedman, is not here this week, but in his place, joining me, is Mr. Winston McCall of Parkway Drive fame. Thank Jeez. you very much for
1: coming on board, buddy. My pleasure. It's my lovely pleasure.
0: to see you again. Cheers. Likewise. Um, mate, as we just said a minute ago, you... Uh, It's cold. We're on your bus. (laughs) Alexandria Palace looms large in what? What are we talking? It's literally looming large. We're in its shadow. It is. We are in its (laughs) shadow. And it's, what, five hours till stage time? Yeah. Yeah. So by the time people hear this... Um, there will probably presumably be no more no, I was going to say yeah the people hear this down.
1: they will have seen the headlines on the news of Alexandra yeah. Palace now pile of ash
0: so this is very much the calm Desec- before the desecrating
1: national monuments yeah, yeah. how yeah. are you feeling about tonight I'm fine I'm stoked yeah it's good it's it's pretty weird like setting it all up and stuff and it, it seems quite normal but at the same mm. point in time it's really not normal yeah it's it, you slip it out of the mode of just like we're quite like we're very meticulous in planning what we do yeah. and and five shows in like this is running exactly how we planned the show and everything and it's it's mind-blowing um but it's hard to kind of take stock of until you're on the stage and the fact that this is like literally our largest headlining show we've ever done it's
0: sold out as well yeah that's amazing congratulations on how that. mad is that like it was
1: it's it is it's just out of any time there's been like a seeing the band like make a jump of any kind mm. from Brixton to this is just literally like twice as many tickets Yeah, which is a lot when you consider it it's yeah, like really. you need every single one of those people that came to that show last time to grab their mate and bring them along to this one yeah. which is a big yeah. ask
0: it's <laughs> a big ask especially when you've released a record with mm. such a lot of stylistic yeah I, mean, I know you don't like the word risks. We've spoken no, about the word risks all, yeah. before, but we'll, we'll call yeah. it a risk because yeah. I think that's fair. For sure. Stylistic risk, and the reason we're talking today is um, uh, to do with a gentleman who has taken many, oh, man. many stylistic yeah. risks and uh, has done many things over his career. Uh, we're going to talk about Nick Cave. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we are. You're a fan, a massive fan. Oh, I, uh,
1: I would say a large. Yes, a yeah. large fan. Mm. Um, oh, man. It's weird, because, like, fan, fan is fanatic, isn't it? Like, that's the thing. Yeah, so, kind of. Yeah. Is that and accurate? I'm, I'm not going to say I'm fanatic, mm. but I have... He's probably the musician or the artist that I hold the most respect for, in general, mm. full stop. Right. So, yeah, I'm not crying when he plays, but I am sitting there in complete awe every single time.
0: It's an interesting one. Obviously, in growing up in the UK we even in our kind of mainstream press mm. we have a very very uh, he's, he's a bit of a he's, well not even a bit of he's a darling over here he's yeah. a critical and to some extent commercial yeah. darling yeah. In, in this country in the UK um, I'm interested in how uh, the, how the country of his birth uh, well, that's an UK. interesting one Cause that is interesting because yeah. I believe it's not quite the same over there
1: it has changed mm. um, it, was, it was really interesting to see it it's to actually see it shift. Um, basically, like, around the time of Skeleton Tree, like, mm. it shifted a lot. I remember he... Um, it it was all, It was always that thing of... Nick Cave was seemed to be more respected in the UK than he did in Australia, which was always mind-blowing. Mm. Um, because the people in Australia, like, there's been that... Like, as far as cult followings go, yeah, cult following. Like, he is an artist that if you get him you really really get him and the people in australia that got him have always um like held him very very close but as far as the industry goes like he it was a few years ago like he they nominated him him alone for hall of fame for the aria awards which is like the grammys for australia yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing um just him not the bad seeds right and he. And, like, that shows, the like, the industry ignorance of mm. the fact that it's just, like, and the one guy. And he literally yeah. got up and he was, like, cheers, but what about my band? Mm. And then just listed off the roster of, like, of the Bad Seeds and the collaborators of, like, his art, which is the exact way it should be. But it just, it shows that difference in, uh, I guess, the recognition that, that yeah, that he was given to him at that point in time. Mm. And um, I think it's, I think worldwide, like around um, Skeleton Tree, like around that era, it's from what I've seen of the shows, it's it's an entirely new thing though. Yeah. And it's, which is really phenomenal to see. Well, there's, um, there's yeah. a
0: lot of parallels between what's going on with you guys and what was going on with Nick Cave, I think in a lot of ways on Skeleton yeah. Tree, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, actually, one of the things, we've we've spoken previously about Murder Ballads. Yeah. And Murder Ballads, he was nominated for, I think, spoiler alert, because myself yeah. and Renfrew, my co-host, have also recently spoken about Murder Ballads, which yeah. is a podcast that's going to be coming out soon. Yes. He turned down um, the nomination for the, the best male artist at the MTV Awards. Oh, I never knew that. During the murder ballad what cycle because obviously that was uh, a big critical success. You yeah, know? yeah. The, the Kylie Minogue video yeah. and him collaborating with PJ Harvey. Yeah. And he got uh, he got an MTV nomination and yeah. there's a an amazing, if you get a chance to, to see it, go and Google his, he, he wrote a letter to MTV saying, don't ruin my muse. <laughs> don't ruin my muse by like, th- th- putting me up against other artists. Oh, that's
1: sick. Yeah. yeah that's, so he's got a bit of previous with, That's great. With, with award ceremonies. Have you seen like... I went and saw him the other day, like it was literally a couple of weeks ago. He's doing. Oh, really? a, he's doing. Do you know about the Red Hand Files?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: So at the moment, he's um, he's been. He started this thing. It's a website called the Red Hand Files, where he's encouraging fans uh, to write in, mm. basically just write questions, and he will answer them online, and and then prints the letter, yeah. types it up, and answers the questions in an in an effort to communicate and have um. It's it's this journey of discovery that he's on, and he did. He's doing a tour in Australia, and I think it might be coming elsewhere. But um, it's literally Nick Cave standing on stage and talking, and like just saying, "Hit me up." Like, what do you what do you want to talk about? And then he sits down and plays a couple of songs on piano, and then it's three hours of like he played fifteen songs, and the rest of the time was just people asking him his meaning of life and how certain certain things like affected him, and it was um really really phenomenal to see that that communication like and the way he thinks as a as an artist Mm. and also like like i got to hear the story of like carly minogue tracking that 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 track as well yeah that's the thing like and how like wild rose came about and and all of that kind of stuff and it's a yeah it's an interesting era that we're now in
0: it's, he's, he's an interesting character. I was going to ask hmm. as well regarding kind of Australian artists because yep. he's not your quintessential Australian. And I think when <laughs> Australians aren't quintessentially Australian, I mean, I think actually Daniel Johns from Silverchair is another person I look at and go, you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, maybe to look at, he's quite a yep. sort of good-looking dude. but um, <laughs> Gangly blonde surfer-looking yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, there, there's a way about him which is not very quintessentially Australian. Yep. Do you think... Um, that maybe played a part in why. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to leave it as open ended as that. Hmm. Uh, he's not what you would expect uh, an Australian artist to be like. I guess looking yeah. from the outside,
1: he's. i to be honest, like everything about him, I'd see as unique. Yeah, that's true. Everything about about him, and hearing it, like even like right down to watching watching him, like I. Expect I don't know what I was expecting going into watching him speak as a just as a person on stage because it was very, just incredibly genuine. But at the same point in time, you can see where the how the cogs turn within his brain that that leads to the artwork that is made and the the way that it is just a genuine Australian human. Like mm. he has he has the Australian accent still, yeah. um, and the way that he was he was actually very specific about um, certain songs and certain albums being a, a sh- like actually it was about um, The Angel Saw The Us and him saying that book was actually supposed to, like that is an Australian book the right, landscape okay. although it's not set there it in his head that's what it was it's an Australian mm-hmm. landscape um, and then you look at movies like Proposition and stuff yeah. like that and it's it's very Australian and mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah, he doesn't look it. But he doesn't look like anyone. No. Doesn't look like anyone. Doesn't sound like anyone. Doesn't think like anyone. It's just him. And I think that's the thing that, like, is the
0: magnet for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's an incredibly unique person. Now, um, just to say how we're going to kind of frame this conversation, yeah. where we've kind of started off already. Uh, you said, as we, I said, you know, what album do you want to talk about. Yeah. You said, um, "Avatar Blues," uh, "Stroke the no, I'm of Obviously. Obvious. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you know we will kind of frame it around that. I mean that album. Uh, what was you kind of because you as I sat down you went oh, I might do Skeleton Tree. Yeah. What was you sort of thinking for, for, for picking that album kind of? It, it
1: is like it is my. It is one that I go to so much because I think it has elements, um, a bunch of elements in them that he they do so well like yeah. there's it has there's there's like rock guitars in there there's genuine rock and roll in there mm. there's the lyricisms in there but then there's like the gospel all over it the the choir parts in there yeah. are, are awesome there's parts in like i think there's there's like parts where you can hear the choir like in hiding all the way and stuff um Samantha where song. i swear like there's a line about like the butcher and the meat cleaver and, yeah, uh, and I was... the choir misses the line after it because I swear like you can hear them giggling about the line <laughs> and then they come back in on the, the next line and it's like all of those kind of things it has so much character mm. like Fable of the Brown Ape and everything like that um, it, it spans a lot of I guess the things that I I love so like all of the eras, but that seems to kind of sit in this really awesome place where it covers so many things for me. Mm. So, yeah,
0: I thought it was a good pick. I mean, just give people some sort of um, some sort of context for the album. So it's the thirteenth Nick Cave mm. and the Bad Seeds album, um, released on the twentieth of September two thousand and four. Uh, a double album yeah. of seventeen songs, yep. or two albums. I mean, yep. I, by all accounts, Nick Cave thinks of it as two separate records, mm. and when I think when you listen to it. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, how do you look? Do you devour it in like one sitting or do you think it's No, I, I,
1: I bounce between the two, to be honest. Really? Sometimes okay. I start at Liar and sometimes mm. I start at Abattoir and sometimes I listen to it the whole way through. Mm. So I'm, I'm always kind of an, an album guy as well. It's so yeah. rare that I like just hit one song. So mm. I just like, go uh, bam, you're on and then I'm like off doing my thing for a couple of hours.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah. Um, and also, I mean, I think what's interesting about it and where there's, you know, I'm sort of obviously trying to draw parallels between yourself. Cheers. And, <laughs> no, no. And no I think I'm so There, are, I'm down oh, with mate, that. there <laughs> are there are some to be yeah. made. So yeah. you have to think. Um, he'd had Let Love In, Murder Ballads, yeah. Boatman's Call, No More Shall We Part. Yeah. All of those, particularly in this country, I think that was not only commercially but critically as well. Yeah people falling over themselves to go this guy's a genius this guy's an absolute genius and then it was um nocturama yeah which was the first sort of vague wavering critical misstep i don't think anyone it would be inaccurate to say people panned it yeah but i think people were a bit like yeah you know it was a kind of
1: did it didn't it didn't hit Mm. the mark like it was expected yeah Yeah. so he acknowledges that one too he's like put put out nocturama and fucking people booted me which is hectic so So, that happens
0: how bright as an artist Mm. after this kind of critical success that you've had Mm. to have a misstep to then go well okay i'm gonna put out a double album yeah with a gospel choir
1: the gospel choir and a song about an an ape and a snake yeah and yeah like it's it's ballsy yeah but at the same point in time like you're talking about someone like 13 albums and you know, like they meant the volume of work this human has created mm. is astounding but i also get the feeling that um he there's a reason the quality is there because the more you do something the better you get at it yeah unless you're like you literally run yourself dry um it's if, if the drive is still there it's 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 sharpening and it's it's literally just more sharpening strokes kind of thing yeah. so um I don't know what the thought would be behind like if I wrote something that that got a booting of any degree like it, it would make me go ooh damn yeah. definitely wouldn't be coming back going let's swing for twice as much <laughs> material this time Yeah, but that being said it, like listen to the record it's it's absolutely amazing as far um, as I'm there's concerned there's not many dips
0: in no. whether you want to count it as a double record or a singular record no. it flows really well and um I mean I was going to say I, I kind of listened to it and go there must have been something in his head where he was like I have to just push something further and I know you've said I mean particularly when Iron I I get that up. feeling
1: too yeah I mean I was going to yeah. say
0: like what's the dr- what does that feel like? That dry, like what? What is the actual kind of? How does that sort of manifest itself?
1: Um. Oh God, this is it's
0: where I'm yeah. Paralleling this you is where the parallel came. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's um, it's being I guess lost at sea, mm. and you know how to swim, but you're still lost at sea. Right. Like you can be the best swimmer in the world, but if like you're surrounded by. You don't know which direction to start. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know how long you can survive not doing anything. Um, it's the kind of thing where you assess, like you take on... No matter what you're doing, you're, you're, you're relying on your instincts and mm. for music, like your, your skills and yourself and you've got to draw really deeply on that yeah and um for us like writing that's it's always been that way but i was the first time basically we 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 took the the um let's let's say the playbook Mm. whatever you've learned before which gets you into like the roadmap which you know how to get from a to b when you write a song Mm. and um did away with it and kind of just sailed off to the middle of nowhere to find something interesting, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's it's like it's it is really, it's it's scary. Like I, uh, like broke us as people. Mm. Like it really did. The amount of time, the amount of second guessing, the amount of rewriting, overriding, underwriting, like having to learn new things, the amount of faith. Like, and even at the end of the day, literally, like coming out of the studio with the the, the final piece of art which you have and just going this sounds like nothing we've ever done before mm. like how do you know if this is the destination that you were supposed to get to or if you just landed on a desert island and you're still screwed <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah it's um it's it's interesting like I tell you what actually was one of the things that sent me on that path was I listened to like the Metal Hammer podcast when Atlas came out and you're like yeah, it's another another Parkway album. Oh, really? You know what you're gonna get. <laughs> and okay. the thing is, though, it's right, It's mm. damn right, and that, and it's what we were what we were feeling as well. Like that record came out, and I was stoked with it. But at the same point in time, another Parkway album, and you know what you're gonna get. And the idea of doing it again, the fact that like if that's what other people are feeling about it, when we feel it about it, then mm. it's time to, yeah sharpen the sword some more rather than necessarily keep hacking away
0: the thing is to kind of to continue this analogy of being lost at sea yeah i think what you have and what i mean i look at someone like nick cave and it appears to be that swimming lost whatever he's just in a big fucking boat which is himself yeah and there's a a serious confidence in himself as an artist Mm. or you there appears to be. I mean, quite there what, appears to what, be. Quite what goes on in his head yeah. is a different thing. But you guys do have a, you know, you've got a raft where yeah. it still sounds like Parkway Drive, yep. even if... And Nick Cave, I mean, on this record, his personality is, like you say, so unique. Yeah. And even when... You put him up against this beautiful choir, and there are some love. There, you know, there's some lovely songs. There
1: is, yeah, on some really. Man, I felt songs. like my wife and I's first dance with Breathless. Really, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and and then this is like I think this is one of the most like beautiful Nick Cave records. Mm. Like, there the melodies are there. Yeah, there's but, some creepy shit on there though. I mean, seriously, <laughs> creepy stuff. Yeah. but
0: that's what makes that a juxtaposition between you know you think of Nick Cave and you think of this kind of creepy vampiric yeah. arcane dark brooding presence yeah like you know preacher yeah Yeah. and yet you have these very tender and quite playful um songs that that he still manages to kind of you know weird you out over because it still sounds weird weird and odd like the whole man even
1: breathless like it's yeah i think of a lot of it's warren ellis as well Mm. because that dude like he's a genius of a musician. Yeah. Um, and the music on it is always there's always slightly something there's of ov- there's like mixed lyrics are uh, second to none as far as I'm concerned, like mm. in the music world. But um the music that is backed up, his piano lines where he's really like they are they're either quite menacing or they can be quite beautiful. But it's the off-kilter Instruments that you hear behind, mm. that Warrens, or someone in the Bad Seeds, but I got a feeling there's a hell of a lot of it's Warren yeah, yeah. is um is playing that always is the thing that kind of gets under your skin and makes you feel like yeah this is nice but something a little I don't know, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know that's the thing it all yeah.
0: feels really spontaneous and I mean yeah. this album was recorded in 12 days.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. He, re, 12 days. Do you know how shit that makes me feel about what I do? <laughs>
0: but, I mean, God, yeah. it's going to make anyone shit, feel know. shit about anything. Yeah. You know, like.
1: But I, that's what you hear. I hear that about a lot of classic albums. It's like, ah, mm. oh, they went in, they didn't, six days. You know, mm. like that, that masterpiece, six days, 12 days or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: Here's the other thing I was going to say about it being a kind of double album, it being mm. two separate albums is um, each record, mm. each half, is, um has got a different drummer on it. I didn't know that either. As well, yeah. So let me just get I want to make sure Whip get up your Wikipedia facts. Oh, no, I'm no, learning. Yeah, no, School no, me, brother. Right. So um Jim uh Skalavanos, mm. Scalavanos, I can't mm. pronounce it. Did the uh the first half yeah. and Thomas Wilder drums in the second. Now yeah. obviously both very different records. Yeah. Very different vibe. How much um Because people talk about this a lot, like, oh, you know, there's a different chemistry when you play with different people and it makes you sound different. Um, For a kind of layman or someone with no musical ability like myself, I mean, is that fair? Is that true? Like, how does that, again, like, how does that kind of manifest itself, like, playing with different people?
1: It's an interesting one to ask because um, I haven't actually played with that many different people. I was going to say, I I don't know if you have. But, um, I like, from my limited... my I have done other bands and little side projects here Mm. and there and I have jammed around with other people and I definitely know that um the personal connection and the way someone plays influences 100% like what you're going to what sparks you in your head um simply the difference between what I write and then come to like a a writing session with, with the other guys um and how that transforms when it's put within the presence of what they're doing is vast like you you have whatever idea I have some, like sometimes it remains quite pure and they adapt to me which shows that whatever they're doing is, is changing yeah. um, or I'll take something which I've got and will put it near what they've done and then all of a sudden my brain goes off in 60 different directions as soon as I hear like the melodies that they're playing or something yeah, like that and it takes that that spark and it changes it from like green to red or something like that and it, and it just starts moving so um, I've noticed that with not just with Parkway but with some other stuff that I've done before and mm. other people I've worked with and even with George like our producer in the studio like he's got different ways of doing things and other people we've collaborated with it um, it changes I think it just changes the way you you hear music and the like rhythm melody all of those kind of things especially as a as a vocalist um you're talking about the way that syllables fall Mm. the way that melodies are carried within those syllables the emotion all of these things and the voices are very dynamic instrument so yeah. it, it really does influence yeah
0: i think that that's why i feel like this record that we're talking about then um, it's kind of a perfect storm of yeah. perfect chemistry a very very strong persona at the front of it yeah and all of these other quite disparate things that make it up together i mean that's yeah that's when i think about it like that that's kind of what you want yeah to be, isn't it?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, I think so. Um it's I love like solo projects because they personify someone very, very well. Yeah. The thing I've I love about I'm gonna say Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds because it is the bad seeds as well. Yeah, to a massive, massive degree. And you hear the I think the perfect example is going and watching him perform by himself with just a piano and then the different interpretations that he brings to songs um that polar opposite to what is on a record mm. and that's a, that's an artist giving his like his vision of that song which he's created with the rest of the band yeah. and the band version is quite different it makes you feel a different way um, and that band is phenomenal like mm. they are very that whatever chemistry they have going on creates some awesome shit
0: yeah for, <laughs> sure. for sure Um, you mentioned so you you would say Nick Cave as a lyricist yeah peerless for how? me yeah
1: yeah 100% 100% mm. the volume of work the I just I can't like this this comes down to to, to taste as well I guess mm. I think there's there's like there's plenty of people in my band who are just like i just hate it
0: <laughs> really? like, That's yeah
1: yeah it's uh, like very wordy and there's there's plenty of times where like the um the songs aren't con- a lot like very it's not pop structuring like it's a lot of it's like rock structuring but it's long like mm. 12 bar blues and stuff like that like it's um and the, the amount of words in those songs and the, and the way it's written is is really, really, really like it's just right up my alley. And yeah. I'm am just always it's, it's very rare that he can he, that he turns a phrase or um, puts anything in that doesn't evoke a very, very vivid image. So descriptive. Yeah, but never like the way I I love the way he can he marries violence and disaster with love and beauty in yeah. such an incredible way there's it's a line
0: on um what song is it i think it's uh is it breath is the the, the line about crimson snow the crimson oh, yeah. snow fell and i was like oh crimson snow is he talking about like someone getting their brains bashed in or something it's just yeah like it sounds so beautiful but so brutal at the same time yeah you know I mean? yeah it's such a great that's such it. a great phrase i mean
1: there's a there's a line in skeleton trees about the, the about the the stars being splashed and splattered across the ceiling yeah and as soon as you hear splattered you just like it changes the whole mm-hmm. thing in your head to mm-hmm. like like it's yeah it takes a, a, a someone of craft to be able to come up with that yeah, and sure. the the thing is like it's from from what he says he works damn hard at doing it he writes a lot
0: well so. i actually found uh, a little um a little quote from a from a, a, an interview that he did mm. around the time of this album coming out um and he called himself a predominantly comedic writer
1: <laughs> yeah you know what there's some funny shit in there too yeah sure. <laughs> you know, uh, yep. so
0: it's a predominantly comedic writer and he said yeah, had this there about his lyrics because <laughs> um that they said you know like oh it's uh quite a dark album yep. again and he said the people who say i write miserable songs haven't listened to the albums i don't write happy songs but who does yep the fact they're not happy doesn't make them miserable
1: yes yes yep yeah well like lyre of orpheus mm. that i i giggle to myself that yeah. every time i hear that song and it's and it's still yeah it's that I, I guess that is the thing it's um there is so many points in time where you you feel the, the tongue very firmly in the cheek mm. but at the same point in time it's done in such a dexterous way yeah that like there's like it takes a i think it takes quite a lot of skill to be able to to write an intelligent joke <laughs> like to be able to write a joke where yeah like it's like there's a difference between fart comedy and mm. being able to write something that is into, in like, it makes you smile. You don't have to be rolling around on the ground mm. laughing, but you're smiling with the fact that, yeah, why, why did I never think of that? And, yeah, of course. and then being able to put it in context where it's not just a, it's not, it's not comedy, mm. it, I think. So it's just another one of those things. There's so many times where there's a line which is like, yeah, like, that's... I don't, it's just cheeky. Yeah. You cheeky bastard. You're putting that little thing in there. And, yeah, like, it's... Like, the whole of the is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, look
0: like at that, the, that.
1: That is... It's brutal song, but it's pretty... It's comedic the whole time. Yeah.
0: It's, quite, <laughs> it's just... It's brutal, but it's just shy of slapstick. Yeah. Like, and that's... I mean, you know, obviously it's not, but...
1: Curse of Millhaven. Yeah. Like, it's... It, it, that's... Like... Prize winning terrier and all that stuff. It is brutal, but it's man. A lot of the murder ballads is yeah. kind of, it's verging on comedy. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he thinks he's comedic, but the, I mean the thing that I I've sort of taken away particularly like from this record yeah. is something that I always assumed that Nick Cave was um, kind of poking fun at religion, and I always thought that this yeah. this um, bringing this choir on this gospel choir yeah. was a like really kind of knowing telling juxtaposition ah, I never thought about that yeah. being like well you know i'm an e- i'm the evil priest and here comes and here my here choir comes my actually yeah. angelic choir which yeah. made me always really like it i mean yeah you're a, a band as well i mean particularly yeah. on the last album you touch on religious themes yeah. as well has, has that been a sort of influence i mean
1: for me religion is um the reason the themes come in for me is because they, we live in a world which they hold weight. The themes mm. hold weight. And they're very evocative. It's not necessarily about believing in a, a man with a beard and a guy with some horns. Mm. Or some dude with eight arms and blue skin or whatever the hell anyone John John Smith bringing up bringing up some golden tablets from the ground or anything like that mm. if you look at the stories surrounding them and the like apart from the morals and everything like that there's some the imagery of it that conjures in the mind uh, it just it's it's so powerful yeah and um, for me it's it's just a no brainer to go to that kind of stuff because it's when you're describing a horrible feeling, flames, and the concept of a hell, and a, like that voice in your head being personified as the devil or an all-powerful being dictating these things that are going on in your life, is uh, a it's, it's just a go-to because mm-hmm. it's a lo- Like I, can't, I took a it obviously took a a, a very imaginative person to come up with all of those concepts for religion in the first place mm. and I don't think I could if I could come up with better I'd start my own religion <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but right now I haven't so I always took the choir in that in that album to I, I got the old school rock and roll vibe in the, in the like on the first album mm. like the there's guitars and the way the piano is played and yeah. some of the organ and then the 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 like the choir part for me got me into just that the really old school kind of rock vibe, which is i never thought about the religious
0: aspect of it so
1: that's a really interesting
0: again interesting because i mean i think in a moment i want to talk about the color of leaving at some point but what i will say is um I wanted because I was going to kind of go. Well, he's obviously he's an atheist, isn't he, Nick Cave? But I tried to do a little bit of digging. Mm. In fact, actually, I want to shout out Renfrey who did do some digging and found found this. Um, This is a direct quote from Nick Cave. regarding his belief on god and i'll be interested to see what you i think heard about him it I,
1: to, I got this firsthand the other night so did I'm you oh, all right it, yeah.
0: okay so this says i've been circling around the idea of god for decades it's been a slow creep around the periphery of his majesty pen in hand trying to write god alive sometimes i think i've almost succeeded the more i become willing to open my mind to the unknown my imagination to the impossible and my heart to the notion of the divine the more god becomes apparent I think we get what we are willing to believe and that our experience of the world extends exactly to the limits of our interest and credence. I am interested in the idea of possibility and uncertainty. Possibility by its very nature extends beyond provable facts and uncertainty propels us forward. I try to meet the world with an open and curious mind, insisting on nothing other than the freedom to look beyond what we think we know. Does God exist? I don't have any evidence either way, but I am not sure that is the right question. For me, the question is what it means to believe. The thing is, against all my better judgment, I find it impossible not to believe, or at the very least, not to be engaged in the inquiry of such a thing, which is in a way, the same thing. My life is dominated by the notion of God, whether it is his presence or his absence. I'm a believer in both God's presence and his absence. I'm a believer in the inquiry itself, more so than the result of that inquiry. As an extension of this belief, my songs are questions, rarely answers. That is a beautiful, That's beautiful a thing. Like, thing, isn't it? To, to like
1: how the, the, Do you believe in God? Yeah, that's the answer. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing that, like, that's the thing with all of it. It's, it's such. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, that's mm. how. You, that's how. That's a perfect articulation, I think. Like, and that's what for me. That's what it is as well. I mm. think I've, I've always. I think the concept of atheism, um, for me, is just as closed-minded as the concept of religion. I think mm. the idea of just closing your mind to any idea is. It's an easy way out, to be honest. That's it, it's limited, limiting your imagination of, mm. of, of any kind. So,
0: and, yeah. and it's presumably, uh, I it's this point where, when we come to talk about Skeleton Tree, which I, want, mm. I know you want to talk of. Um, and if you want to, don't mind. No, 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 I'm, I'm more than I'm, happy, because I was going to say, obviously, with the last record, um you know, The Color of Leaving being the last track yep. on it, which is a very, like, it's the closest, I think, sonically, that influence of Nick Cave yep. has come about in your music, for yep. sure. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, 100%. and um, you know, there's a, the the line about arguing with God yep. in that. I mean, how difficult? And obviously, I'm sure for people who aren't aware of the the context of Skeleton Tree, it was kind of written, or he was writing it in the middle of his son passing uh, away. Passing away, yeah. And I believe that he went back and adapted a lot of the, the yep. music on that record to to kind of um, to fit how he was feeling to kind yep. of try and answer some of those questions yep. as an artist um, I suppose it's your you as an artist want to kind of articulate the questions you ask, the feelings that you're feeling at that particular moment in time I think so, yeah And I, I mean how difficult it, is it to go in and to try and Because I think they're difficult questions just to attempt in your own head. Yeah. Sat here now. Yep.
1: You know. That's it. Like I, to be honest, I. It's a hard. It's a hard one to even articulate because it's the. Doing what I do is—it's part of me, Mm. like it's. Me being on stage and me creating it's not like it's just an just an outlet kind of thing it literally is part of me being expressed in this realm that is outside of my body which mm. I, it, like it sounds like a really wanky thing to say but mm. it really is like the words that I put down for for color of leaving were what was going through my brain in a very like in literally within these direct moments and hours of of dealing with someone's passing and the chemicals and whatever's going on in your head at that point in time that fuel the thought process and the feeling that is going through your body because it is not just like you get told news and you have a little cry or whatever like Mm. you it's physically altering in every aspect And the fact that there was words there, um, for me means that that is that piece of my spirit or my soul or whatever that, that comes out with the, with what I do, needing to have that fulfilled at that moment to Mm -hmm. like, that needed to be written. So that's how it kind of was works for me like it, that's how it works with everything else but with the with grief um that was the first time for me like this album was the first time writing with with grief as a as a catalyst yeah so it was um i did, i did, personally i just didn't second guess the process like mm-hmm. there was no like should i write this down should i not write this down it was like the words came first and then i'd felt as though like there were there's plenty of stuff that I write which never sees the light of day it's literally just it's words or it's poetry or it's I write because I write um but when it came time to like putting put things together for the album um though that was those were words which I kept circling around like i i kept going around them and around them and i'd work on other songs and at the center of any everything i was working on was this set of words which i kind of knew at some point like i i I think i knew really early on that they were going to i knew exactly where they were going to be on the album why they were going to be there but the idea of confronting them was quite scary simply because like it's another thing to try and do justice to a situation and not have it come off as like cheesy mm. like the, the idea of Parkway doing a song like that especially um, it was a very different thing and luckily like this is the album where we had the confidence and everyone else had the confidence to do different things and when it came to this song like this this one was literally my my pet song like it's it's the one where i don't know how to write music so the music is very very minimal because i sat down with our producer and the the other guys were working on other stuff and i was like i've got some melodies that i've hummed and he twanged them out on a guitar and then Mm. we put some strings over the top and it was all about just the the emotion um and luckily everyone in the band knew the value of emotion at that point in time Mm. and knew that that's what like it's one of the first times in the band's history where that's going to be the thing that carries it. And that's what you're going to put your faith in is the fact that the emotion is genuine.
0: Yeah. How big a part did um sort of, I guess, you would have lived with Skeleton Tree for a little while. Yeah. And that would have been a very, I mean, I, I've spoken on this podcast before about um, an album like uh, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us yeah. or Stage 4 by Tichon yeah. Moore and the sort of um, the impact that that's had on me for things that have happened personally to yep. me and how that sort of soaked into my yep. psyche when I'm thinking. Yep. So, I mean, how much do you think an album that Skeleton Tree had, had an impact on you when you were obviously- Massively, you know, massively. In a similar situation.
1: That's the thing, like, huge. Like, it, because it was, that there's there's plenty of things that, like, happen within me and within a, the band and with the performance or with anything where I look At some point in time, when you are not sure, you look for like a guiding light or a shining example of someone else doing something, Mm. which you can say, "Well, if they can do it, like, or if they've gone through something, then I can, I can do it as well." And first hearing Skeleton Tree, like I literally heard that album, and was like, "I'm never listening to this again." Like this is just, I get it, I completely get it, but Mm. that's why I don't want to listen to it again because it's too. It's the person you hear you, that you have so much respect for, with his, or oh, <clears throat> with all of the all of the creative, of uh, the creativeness of that outfit, and especially the lyrics. For me, I, mm-hmm. I was just like the things that you hear that when someone takes their skill and turns it to something that is so personal and s- like hits so close to home for you at that point in time. It's Jesus, like. It was, it was really hard to deal with yeah. but coming back I I think part of the grieving process as well is well for me was going like it was just processing so listening to Skeleton Tree over and over and over again um, I started seeing the beauty in different things and seeing um, some of the phrases in it and some of the the unknowingness and mm. the the sense of of it not being anchored and all of those things started to really resonate for me um and validate and all of and I think it was it was interesting because uh that was when the popularity of of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds especially in Australia like there was like a magnetic pull towards them and I went and saw them play at the river stage in Brisbane to 10,000 people Wow! and it being like my wife, I didn't go to the tour before that but my wife went to the tour before that and there was was like a thousand people on the Gold Coast, now there's 10,000 people it's sold out and it was like a religious service for it seemed like for him and for the audience, and the skeleton tree material, I feel as though it resonated, <laughs> and the what like the I'm I'm gonna I'll, I don't know if that's the case, but I will make a judgment because that was for me, and I personally, after having written this album, the thing that like the reason I'm making this judgment is the amount of people who have come up to me or pulled me aside after like I've said hi to fans outside and there'll be a group of 10 fans. And at the end, everyone leaves and one, one of them pulls me back and tells me like that this album means this to me because I've been going through this period of loss. Mm. And that's where I like, that's, that's when I realized like the, the, the magnetism of the the fact that most people in the world well everyone's going to go through this at some point in time and a lot of people already have Mm -hmm. and the world is a brutal place and in those times that like I know I felt so isolated even though I had my wife by me and my best friends around me and and a legion of fans who were loving everything we did and at the same point in time when you're inside your head and your heart you can't um rely on common sense kind of thing so the fact that 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 can be a unifying factor and kind of like a beacon for for uh, that kind of feeling is a very powerful thing
0: Mm. yeah for sure and i think you know it's uh it's a brave thing for artists to do that And i think as we see you know i've over years of the night you know rock and rolls for the youth and blah blah mm. blah but we're starting to see albums like skeleton tree and um and black star by david bowie yeah. where these artists are growing to a point where they're comfortable enough to say uncomfortable things and i think yeah. that is obviously that's the true essence of what an artist does and I yeah. think obviously you guys are taking a huge inspiration for that and i imagine as long as Partway Driver is still a band I think there will be more uncomfortable things <laughs> I obviously dude to say trust it, but, me no you know, <laughs>
1: the, it's reality that's yeah. the thing and I think the older you get it's just the rose coloured glasses slowly become clearer yeah. as you're as you get older I guess it's like for some people something happens very early in their life and those they're just shattered and reality is hard and fast yeah. um, and for other people time rolls in a way that that literally you re- you realize what it means to be to be a like a survivor of life because yeah. people start not surviving yeah. and and being a survivor means dealing with these things so yeah it's, it's it's an interesting thing to to see and and hear about in music and it's always it's always something that i um i know when it's the genuine thing yeah. and when it's same thing with love songs to be honest like you know for me i can hear like a pop love song you know the one that's like completely manufactured yeah (laughs) and someone else has written the words and then someone's just coming in and in like singing that singing that love song for the radio and then there's the one which you can generally tell has been written about someone they know that means the world to them and the same thing goes with for for songs about for songs about grief as well and same goes for plenty of hardcore songs as well, written about that dude you hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Yep. It's
0: so true. Anyway, mate, we're oh. going to close up now. Oh, um, timing. Time. I know, because um, you've got to go and play a sold-out show at Alexandra Palace yeah. to a bunch of crazy metal fans. with Mental. Killswitch engaging tonight as well. It's going to yeah. be a good night, mate. I'm Should looking be. forward to it. I'm All very right. much looking forward to it. And, um, mate, it's lovely. Just a final word on Nick Cave. Yes. Um, John Lennon, Bob Dylan... Uh, David Bowie does Nick Cave fit in alongside oh, yeah. artists as great as that for you 100% yeah.
1: 100% I w- and, and I would take his work over any of those people wow. but that's but that's me mm-hmm. but I'm a little bit darker <laughs> <laughs> so you should be yeah. you should be mate
0: thank you very, so, so much for coming thank on thank you my uh, pleasure on, on a my very, pleasure very cheers very busy day for you boys so uh, I really appreciate it cheers, and I Dave. hope you've all enjoyed listening to it Winston cheers cheers thanks